0: Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We spend these 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church, interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We have two services at church every Sunday morning, one at 8.45 a.m. and the other at 10.45 a.m. There is Japanese and Korean translation available at that 1045 a.m. service. And that's also when we have our live stream, which you can find on HBCGuam.org, HBCGuam.org, this week, starting over when you don't feel like it, from Ruth 1, 6 through 22. Let's begin today's harvest time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor.
1: Well, hey, half a day, Chris. I am so excited about the continuing of this series. It's a series that we began two weeks ago studying through the little book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Um, The title of the full series is A Harvest Story. And as you read through the book, and if you come and be part of this uh, study that we have together, you're going to see why, you know, what the connections are with a harvest story. Um, but there's, uh, five main parts. So this is the second in the five parts and, uh, you can still plug in. In fact, if you wanted to catch up, you could go back on our website. You could listen to the first message, which would give you a foundation. And then we'd love to have you here for the next four Sundays leading right up to Thanksgiving. In fact, I'll give you the uh, titles because I think they're interesting. Uh, part one, uh, two weeks ago was you can run, but you can't hide. Uh, you just mentioned part two is starting over when you don't feel like it. Um, have you ever felt like something had to start over and you weren't ready to start over? We're going to talk about that. And, and Ruth and Naomi have a story about that. And then part three and four is finding God's hand in the coincidences of life. And then we'll, we'll finalize in part five with God always writes the last chapter. I mean, the book of Ruth is just so packed full of principles uh, around the idea that no matter how confusing life can be at times, God is always at work in life for our good, and we're just going to see that in every verse and every chapter of the book of the book of Ruth. And I'm excited about it. I'd love for everybody to join us each of the next four Sundays as we as we finish up uh, this series. Well, I'm really thrilled to be able to have some special people to us here at harvest time. Uh, Chris and Jalitha Woolsley are with us, so welcome first of all to you guys. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. Chris and Jalitha are, um, how would I say that? Uh, dedicated listeners to Harvest, uh, to Harvest Family Radio, um, supporters, and uh, the radio has had a big impact in your discipleship, Chris. I think you'd say. Oh, very much so, Pastor.
2: In fact, I would say is probably, in my opinion, it's the number one ministry here to harvest. Yeah. Uh,
1: just keeps me on my toes each and every single day. Well, that's great. We're going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute. Um, but uh, Chris is uh, trained as an accountant, Worked at a local accounting firm. How many years at the firm here in Hong uh, Guam? Um, well, we moved here in 2003, so I moved here
2: with the firm from, uh, from Saipan, so that's what 19
1: years, yeah, 19 on 20 years, yeah, okay, great. And Julita is a teacher, she's uh, been involved in Harvest Christian Academy for how many years, Julita?
3: Seven, seven Seven years, years, I think, okay,
1: in a couple of different roles, yes, and uh, really thankful for her servant's heart and love for kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, we're really thankful there. Uh, Chris and Julita are involved in many ways in our church, very faithful. Uh, Chris is a deacon, um, which I always like to explain to people that may not be familiar with that. Our deacons are uh, men of the church who have been elected by our congregation, by our church membership, and they're elected for a couple of years. In fact, our our uh, series is, is three years, and they serve our church, they uh, care for people, um, uh, kind of... Uh, help out with the pastoral team and making sure that we're aware of things going on with the with the church family they provide counsel for our pastors and for our church and uh, just in many ways and so really thankful for chris's involvement um, in that way and they both serve in other areas and i think love harvest right absolutely we do. We yeah. Do. Well, you're loved here, too, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're very thankful for that. Um, let's start off with get a little bit of a background. Then I, I, I want to hear about your story, but Jalitha, could you tell us about your family?
3: I come from the Marshall Islands. I was uh, born and raised there. Um, I have seven, all together, including me, seven uh, siblings, and uh, my dad passed away when we had our second daughter. My mom's still alive. She's still alive. Um, she lives in the Marshalls? She lives in the Marshalls, yeah. And um, I do have two brothers. One passed away and uh, four sisters, still alive. And I'm the only one here in Guam. Mm-hmm. And... That's pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. Uh So
1: you grew up in the Marshalls. I'm going to ask you about your spiritual connection. Mm But, um, Chris, you did not grow up in the Marshalls. In fact, we can kind of tell by your voice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your background. Yeah. Um, Well, I like to tell people that
2: uh, I may be white on the inside, but underneath I'm very much brown.
1: Uh
2: I actually spent quite a lot of time down there in the Marshall Islands. So Yeah. um, You grew up where? Let's start there. Okay. Well, I grew up – well, I was born in Northern Ireland. Okay. Um and then moved at an early age to Australia and grew up grew up there in Australia. Okay. Then from Australia I moved to the Marshall Islands.
1: Yeah, and you were how old were you when you moved to Marshalls? Um about twenty seven, twenty-eight. Okay. Yep. And that was a job, right, that brought you there or what, what brought you there originally? Uh well I met my wife to be. Yeah. So I
2: was there for um initially only for like two and a half months. Um, but then we met. And then I went back to Australia uh, to work there and then came back a year later to see if the flame
1: was still lit.
2: And it was, so
1: (laughs) I stayed. Yeah, great. How many years did you guys spend uh, on the Marshalls together? How how many years were you there? Um, We were down there for approximately seven to eight years. Okay. Before I forget, because I want to ask you about that whole thing, how you guys met and, you know, then God's work in your life. Um, Julita, you also have a family together. You have some children. How old are your kids? Mm-hmm. And
3: Our daughter, Ariel, she's 31. 31, yeah. Okay. 31. Sorry. And then Caitlin is 26 and William is 22. Okay. Mm. So we have three kids, yeah.
1: Okay, awesome.
3: And the oldest one, uh, she lives in the States and we have the other two here. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Plus, i have got to mention we've got two grandkids and as well. Two
3: grand, awesome daughters. Yes,
1: granddaughters. that live
2: mm-hmm. in the states.
3: Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about your spiritual story. It's really interesting. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Mm-hmm. My
2: parents were um, somewhat religious. Um, my background, having been born in Northern Ireland, that itself has a um, has a very religious impact either uh, when you're when you're born there you're either born catholic or born Protestant, and it's
1: uh, it's a big deal in northern ireland right which, it's a huge deal which you are it has political implications mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff right yeah, yeah absolutely
2: um but they do religious things all for the wrong reasons so mm-hmm. um that kind of um uh spilled over to my parents and how they kind of brought us up uh, telling us that we had to do good things all the time and uh Jesus really was never mentioned Mm. in our family whatsoever. Um, When I left home and uh, moved to the Marshall Islands, I was as far away from the Lord as one could possibly be. And uh, living out in an island country like that where there's not much to do can lead you into doing things that obviously aren't the right things to do. And the kind of lifestyle that one lives down there, um, it was rather difficult. So that was one of the reasons why we actually moved from there and moved to, to Saipan. Saipan uh, Saipan's where I actually got saved. Okay. 2001 or 2002, somewhere around about there.
1: And um, what led up to that? I mean, did you start searching spiritually? What, you know, what was going on?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, just things weren't just right. Okay. They weren't right at work. They weren't right in the in the household, the family household, and things just weren't going the way I felt like they weren't going. So there was something missing.
1: Mm.
2: I could look back now and say that something was Jesus. Right. So I got I uh, got I got saved in in uh, in in Saipan. We were going to a little community church down there, and um, uh, I realised I needed Jesus in my life. Mm. And that was a decision that I, I made on, uh, on, uh, on my own. But uh, things started uh, – well, things were good for a little while. But then they started to fall apart again. Mm. And um, again, when I can look back now at primary, the reason for that was uh, I wasn't discipled. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, trying to live, continue to live um, a lifestyle – both with jesus and living with the world mm. and i thought yeah i can do this not a
1: problem but i didn't have anybody pull me aside and say you need to be different so you you knew along the way something was missing li- life wasn't going well you had enough knowledge to know uh, that, that jesus need to be a part of your life but and i've talked with a lot of people like this it's uh at least initially, there's sort of a sense of I can kind of add him to what I got going on, and he'll kind of clean everything up, kind of fix it, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Exactly. How'd, how'd that go?
2: Um, well, again, um, for the first initially few, a few months um, with the church people around you, but they didn't come around you in such a way that yeah, yeah, uh, you know, they actually became part of your life. So you were still basically part of living part of the world. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, I'll be frank and honest. I mean, I uh, I was a um, habitual drinker, and uh, I was addicted to cigarettes, and um, I knew I had to give those up, but I didn't know how to. Mm-hmm. So I continued to live that lifestyle away from church, and of course, when you come to church, um, you know, you act as if you're you know pretty pretty yeah. kind of person. So. None of us are perfect, right. but I realize, again, now I realize back then that discipleship was the the biggest portion of it, especially when you're a brand-new believer. Right. You need to have somebody alongside who's a lot more seasoned. You
1: know, just accountability-wise, it's it's something that's definitely needed. Hang on to that thought. I want to come back to that because that's, I think it's really interesting, and I remembered that from your story. I want to ask you some specific questions about that. Jalitha, what about you? Tell me about your spiritual story.
3: Um, I grew up going to church. In the um our place, um, everyone goes to church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, but um I never really looking back, I I don't know. I never really felt that I was connected to mm. God in any way. So I was doing all the wrong things, like just like Chris said, um, and I thought i was I was okay. I thought I was saved mm-hmm. because I was going to church all the times. But then we moved here, and I felt like, um, where is God? Yeah, why do I feel I hear all these stories about people saying, Oh, Spirit worked in me and and the and God guided me and all that. And and there was one time, I'll never forget that, I was driving down to pick up my kids from school here, and I was talking to myself in my head, and I'm like, How how um how do I how do they how do they get to have that relationship and I can't? Mm-hmm. How do I I know I'm a sinner and I'll never God is never going to give me a chance that's it I'm a sinner I'll be a sinner forever I'm I'm dead (laughs) it doesn't matter what I do It does not matter what I do how many times I pray God is never going to forgive me Mm. for all the wrong things that that I was doing Mm. so there was no choice or no chance for me but then I was driving down the road and and I said to myself how do I know you God how do I know you how do I get that relationship that I hear about people you know feel the spirit in them and they've been guided by by God and Spirit. how do I how do I get that relationship? How do I get close to it? And then a few months later, I think God really spoke to me and guided me. we, we lived right beside the herons. Mm-hmm. They were like two houses down from us. And one time I don't know, Chris woke up one day and said, honey, let's go to church. Right, church? What church? But I go to my Marshall East church. Uh-huh. What church are you talking about? I gotta go to my church. I have a church. And he said, No, let's go to church. I have Pastor Heron. I didn't know them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pastor Heron and Mrs. Heron. They want nice us to go to church with them. So it took me a while. Mm. Took me a while. Then one day, I think um, I came to church and I met them at the door. And I started talking with uh, Mrs. Heron, Tammy, and she said, you know, I live two doors away from you. You know, you can come down to my house and we'll do Bible studies in the morning. And from then, I started coming to church. And, you know, i that's when I started learning that there was really a God. And,
0: mm-hmm.
3: wow, that was like a, a new... I don't know how to explain it. Mm. But, you know, it took me a while, a long time to... It was a long, many steps that I yeah. had to take. Yeah. And I'm still learning, and I'm still growing. But finally I felt like, okay, now this is now I know who is Jesus. How is he related to God? Because I used to hear all these in the name of Jesus.
1: Why? Right.
3: How is, why do we always have to say... Pray to God, and then in the name of Jesus, how is He related to God? Mm-hmm. But then this time, I learned so much from coming to church. And Tammy, she wow. really led me to yeah. So she did a big part yeah. of leading me to where I am right now.
1: That's so powerful, mm-hmm. Chilisa. I hadn't heard that that part of it where you know that driving down the road, and you'll just never forget, yeah. right? I'm Calling never... out to God. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, I mean, that's one of the things that the Bible says is mm-hmm. that if we will seek him, he will be found of mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. He's not trying to hide from us. Mm. Um, he wants to be uh, revealed to yeah. us. And when you called out on mm-hmm. that on that day, that began a path, a journey that yes. drew you to him.
3: I believe that you really opened the door and wow. allowed me to see who yes. he was, who he is, after I said God how do I yeah yeah how do I get to have the relationship that the others have with you and not me
1: very powerful yeah. I was talking with somebody just yesterday about that the uh, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit uh, there's an old English word it says uh, he quickens us mm-hmm. but it means the Holy Spirit is the one who he makes us alive mm-hmm. so before that moment for every person our hearts are dead and in fact this person was saying, and I tried to read the Bible and it just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd go to mm-hmm. church and it was just like, blah, blah, blah. And then in this moment, you know, this genuine, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit yeah. makes mm-hmm. our hearts alive again. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't know, we don't understand, but, but we begin starting mm-hmm. to understand what the word means and what it says. Yeah. And God help. brings the right people along mm-hmm. at the right times to mm-hmm. help us. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I, I love hearing testimonies like this mm-hmm. because God – uh, brings us to him in different ways, you know, the circumstances, but there are some similarities. There's some things that are always in common. One of them is that the Holy Spirit makes us alive like mm-hmm. that at a point in time, and you'll know it, right? If there's somebody listening here to these stories, you know, Chris and Jalitha's, there'll be a moment, and for some, it might be right now while you're listening, where it almost just feels like you'll know this, the Holy Spirit just begins to make your heart alive. And then he's going to reveal himself to you through your word and through his word and and through, you know, maybe a good Bible teaching church mm-hmm. and some friends that know Jesus and can walk you through it. I mean, yes. it's really, mm-hmm. really cool, really yeah. awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Chris, I I've remember you saying that before. In fact, I'd written that down because I wanted to ask you about it today. Um, this idea that you became a believer, um, but yet... You know, for several years at least, there just was no no growth. And I remember cause I was talking about this at one time and you and I kind of talk about how many Christians they go to even go to church, but they just they just sort of get distracted and fade away and a lot of other stuff. And you're like, that was me, right? You said it. You said discipleship. What is it that changed for you? Explain that to me kind of in your words. So we've been coming to harvest,
2: um, we started coming in 2003, and um, we weren't regular attenders, but you know we were there pretty much nearly every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Sunday night church. I said, like, no, nah, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> and then Wednesday night church, that doesn't <laughs> sound right either. Um, but as we got more involved with the church, um, there started to be, uh, I guess, an inner excitement about that. And I'm like, you know, maybe we need to, you know, come more, uh, more than once. So we started coming, on off again, on again, um, uh, position on this on the, on the Sunday night, and then um, what really kicked me over the edge was the summit meetings. Um, I think it was like 2009. John Vaughan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Eight or nine, somewhere around. I think it's 2009. And I was only there by myself and uh in hearing his story was like, right. Wow, my guy has been all the way there and, and, yeah. and back again. And um I'm not much of a reader. So he he said he'd written a book. Yeah. I said, Well, I need to have a read of this. Mm-hmm. So I was actually getting on an airplane, um, the next day to go to the Marshall Islands for work, so I got a copy of the book. I took it with me and read it on the plane. Read the whole book. And I'm like, wow! I read this whole book on in one sitting, and then I realized I'm living life of deceit. It's so funny because I'm sitting in a seat up against the window. I've got two Mormons sitting mm. right beside me, mm. and I started crying. Wow. And I realized I needed to uh, recommit myself. Mm. Um, that was 2009, yeah. Um, two months later so, I so, I, I realized I needed to recommit myself to the Lord. Um, none of us are perfect, but I said I need to be directed mm. by him. Yeah. And I haven't looked back ever since. So one of the biggest things or changes in my life, um, uh, three months after um, recommitting myself, I uh, contacted my dad, <laughs> who since passed away, but I hadn't seen him in twenty-seven years, <laughs> and that was one of the things that I knew that the Lord needed me to to make up. Right. Um, so yeah, so from that moment then on. Um, I started really getting I knew I had to learn some more so um, I heard about these Bible studies I said yeah I'll I'll come Mm -hmm. and that was with Pastor Heron and that's when I realised then from that moment there was a period of two to three years where there was a intense discipleship going on there was a group of us, it wasn't just one on one so there was three or four of us in this uh bible study setting and it was um very structured i mean to be honest very structured but that's what we need Mm -hmm. i think that's what we need early on and you know pastor would make us go and learn bible verses and come back and (laughs) (laughs) and i'd sit with louis hey lou You think it's a bit too old for us to be trying (laughs) to memorize these verses? But we were able to do it. Yeah. Because, you know, once you put God's Word in your heart, it's there forever.
1: Mm -hmm. Those relationships and then that training, that discipleship that you're talking about is this – and the Bible talks about it very clearly. The New Testament is filled with instructions for us. It doesn't tell us to – you know, to go to church, this is how you become a Christian. It says become followers of Jesus, his teaching, his life. And the truth is that we're going to need mentors along the way. You know, around here we give examples of, you know, little children. You know, if we just send a kid out in the parking lot and tell them to try to go somewhere on their own, they'd have a hard time making it. They, they got to have mom and dad around holding their hand. They got a brother and sister that helps them along the way. Well, the exact same thing is true for us as Christians. When we're spiritually young children, that's how the Bible describes it. We're not uh, still growing in our faith. We need other people that will walk with us, and that's the thing—not just people that will tell us what to do or stand in front of us and you know preach to us. I mean, preaching is helpful too, but we need people that will walk with us and point out, you know, d- you know, hey, don't head that way, head this way. This is going to be difficult for you, and. Um, so those relationships of discipleship then help us as followers of Jesus. And, uh, yeah, actually, I'm so glad, you you know, you, both of you have shared that. Really, You said the same thing, relationships with people, um, because uh, it's a big part of the Harvest ministry. It's a big part of what God's doing here as, as we walk alongside others in this discipleship and following of Jesus. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure there's going to be somebody listening that several pieces along this story, your story, is gonna be like, oh man, that's me. And uh, I just wanna encourage you, if I can, just reach out, find a good church, a Bible teaching church, where people will walk along beside you and help you in your growth. Otherwise, you're gonna get left kinda where Chris and Jalitha were before, feeling like something is missing. And uh, that's not God's intention for for our lives.
2: Absolutely not.
1: Yeah. Mm We're out of time, you guys. You know what that means, Alitha? We're going to have to do this again. <laughs> we'll wait a little bit, but um, because I think there's still more there. And uh, th- really, really thankful for your testimony, your friendships, um, your faithfulness to God and your service to His church. God's using you guys here at Harvest as part of this team um, that God is using to impact our island and care for our people. So thank you for that. God bless you to both of you. And appreciate you sharing your story today. Thanks, Basta.
0: And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, this is the point in the program where we just want to invite you again to come to Harvest Baptist Church. This Sunday, we have two services, 8.45 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We'd love to see you at either service. We do live stream the 10.45 a.m. service. You can find that at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.